Welcome to Probably Science. I am Andy Wood. With me, as always, is Matt Kirshen. Hello. And Brooks Whelan. Yes. And we are here to give you your week in half-assed science news. Uh, all three of us have science backgrounds. Only one of us still uses that. The rest of us focus mainly on comedy, as does our special guest today, who goes by the name Brody Stevens. Yes, Stephen. Brody Stevens. Positive energy. Yes. Here I'm, I am. I'm so excited that you're on. You give uh, you validate our podcast, Brody. Oh, I do? Yeah. It's validated now. It's a real thing. So I work in a parking lot. Great. <laughs> um, I'm not a science background guy, but I do appreciate it, and I'm aware of science. So... Any science history for you at all? Like in elementary school, high school, do any fun science stuff? Not really. Okay. I was a baseball guy, didn't have a chemistry set, wasn't into cooking. Uh, cooking. Got a microwave oven later in life, <laughs> but for the most part, not a science guy. But I do appreciate it, and it is interesting. Well, that's good. You graduated to the microwave. That's always a big step. Yeah, yes. microwaves are kind of science. That's, yeah, it, does, it involves a lot of science. You don't have to know a lot to use it, but it was developed certainly with a fair amount. And we didn't do a good job of introducing you. The audience is listening may, may know you from such things as uh, The Hangover Parts 1 and 2. Yes, small part, but I did speak. He did speak. And due date? Due date, opening scene, limousine driver with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> and I didn't ask you this ahead of time if you could talk about a project you have coming up. That you're working on with uh, with one of the stars of The Hangover. Is that still kind of under wraps? Well, Zach is producing a HBO project for me. We're kind of running gunning it. It's my life mixed in with some skits and bits. And we're going to kind of see where it goes. It's lo-fi. It's run and gun, as I mentioned. Comedy. Found comedy. I'm in. I'm in. Love and it. And we'll see how it goes. But. Uh, we are working on that. We've shot a bunch of stuff, and we're moving on to another phase. Oof. I love HBO. I, what, did you see the new Eastbound and Down? I have not yet. I need oh, to. Oh, real. It's great. It's great. It's real good. Back to the first season. He's in the South. It's perfect. Myrtle, Myrtle Beach. Beach. <laughs> there you love go. Love it. Love yeah, it. It's, I not it's almost impossible not to talk like you when you're around you, because you're just, in my mind, everything is, yes, having fun. It's infectious, the enthusiasm. It it's hard not to. And I live in the Valley now, and I, and I under, understand the infatuation with 818. 818. Uh, we just get it out there. We do. We do. I'm with you, Brody. We were just talking on the way over here. It's the way to be. It's the way to live if you're going to be out here. It's the Valley. It's yeah, the best and you're of not, worlds. And you're not that far. Not according to Entourage, to guys. That's where I get all my Hollywood news. They don't like the Valley, okay? They make fun well, of it. What they are you going to do for the news it. now the series is done? Uh, I'm done learning. That's all right. it. <laughs> That's it. You've peaked. It's pretty nice to know on a subject that you can just draw a line under a... This is a that off. You're just done with that. We're just doing an HBO... Finished. Premium programming podcast now. Loved Entourage, love Eastbound and Down. Actually, I didn't love Entourage, but I watched it. I have yet to see an episode, which I, I don't know if I should be proud of that. It's just, I haven't been avoiding it. It just doesn't happen. So maybe I'm going to love it someday. Who well, knows? It's available on DVD. Yep. <laughs> get that HBO Go. You get laid up. Seven seasons. You're done. First, I got a lot of, like, I, I have my plan for if I ever get some month-long injury, and that's it's going to be uh, some month-long hospital stay. It's going to be The Wire is going to be first, and then... Have Deadwood. you never done The Wire? Haven't done The Wire. Haven't done most of Deadwood. So I'm going to start with the most critically acclaimed and okay. move on down to the ones that everybody kind of watches. So depending on how ill you are. 
So I think I think we'll, you know, Entourage will happen after I watch all of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Here we go. <laughs> Brody, favorite HBO program? Oh, I would have to say probably the Larry Sanders show. Ooh, I would say cool. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. I would say, H- I mean, HBO does great stuff, great right. sports. They do great documentaries. Uh, they've uh, list does not get... Uh, I do like Arliss. I like blew through Arliss. I, I, my brother got it for Christmas one year, and I was like, what? The, but people this? make fun of it. And then I watched it. I was like, this is contagious. I watched. I blew through them all. What is it? It's a sports agent, right? Is that what he is? Yeah. He always got real, real athletes, athletes to be yeah, on his sure. show, though. It was awesome. But people make fun of Arliss, I think, a little bit. Doesn't make sense, guys. Robert Wool is a little, he's a little bit of an overactor, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what was the other one? I, life Goes On. No, not Life Goes On. Um, Dream On? Dream On. I used to watch that as a kid. I never watched that, but I, I had friends who had HBO, and I heard sometimes there were breasts in it. Yeah, and Brian Ben would have been exciting if I'd had HBO. Ooh, always used to rent uh, scary movies, like in second through fourth grade, just for the hopes of the boobs. You know, you're like, Mom, I want to watch a scary movie. Okay. Had ulterior motives. Gonna see a boob. <laughs> it happened. Really excited. There was that do great still, period when. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, do you still to this day associate fear with? The chance of nudity? No, I got so scared from watching those movies. I, I haven't watched scary. Or is it the other way around? Do you now associate like naked women with fear? Yeah, I cry when I see a naked woman. It's like, <laughs> it's really that was going to happen anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it was a great period when there were PG thirteen movies that still had nudity back in the late eighties. Like if you watch uh, used European to, Vacation, yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. PG thirteen breasts galore. With yeah. a, Titanic, with a, yeah, that's a boob in that one. Yeah. I've never oh, been yeah. Police Academy that. that had some nudity in it, didn't it? Did it? I don't remember. I don't know. Airplane. Like, no, yeah, airplane. To- that's right. Yeah. That oh, was, yeah, yeah. Totally. That was right up there with with Fast Times as far as uh, standout breast scenes. Yep. My childhood. Fast Time. Yeah, it was rated R. Oh yeah. Okay. You Definitely are listening not. to probably science, the week in science news. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> let's let's get going. We are six minutes in, and we've yet to discuss anything science. No, here we go. We'll do it now. Um, this is crazy, and it ties in with movies. The Department of Defense uh, announced that they are developing their own uh, like project based on the movie Avatar. For real. Is it literally what? based on the pro- movie? Did they someone the, watch the movie? The title of this project is called Avatar. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> and they're developing interfaces and algorithms to enable soldiers to effectively partner with a semi, uh, semi-autonomous bipedal machine and allow it to act as a sol- soldier surrogate. So this is like one step better than last week's robot camel jockeys. This right, is, exactly. It doesn't require any kind of jeep riding next door to this thing no 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 it, it's they give them seven they give the de, uh the defense defense advanced research project agency seven million dollars to develop this thing so it's, i'm looking at the article now it says think terminator meets avatar yeah and, <laughs> so it's just somebody who's obsessed with with uh so yeah it's like with, what's the director's name like james cameron? James, cameron. james cameron yeah like, what's worrying there is is that the budget for the ministry of defense project is substantially less than the budget for the movie oh yeah oh, <laughs> an order of mag- a couple orders of magnitude yeah yeah hollywood they, outdoes the film uh, does they're does doing the like a, of defense they're doing a bunch more robot stuff too they're real into robots over at it's called darpa they announced that they're also uh making a mobile robot unit that carries large loads and can follow soldiers through rough terrain so like it's your little pet that follows you around with all your shit. I've seen the video of this, and it's, it looks like a dog that walks really gaily, right? <laughs> it's, it's a four-legged robot that picks up its feet really high with every step and just looks like it's very yeah, afraid it's to step on anything The Prancertron 2000. Yeah, Prancertron, exactly. <laughs> they said we're just getting uh, closer to discovering what's possible for robots in battle. 
So it's pretty soon. Well, they have robots in Japan. You see those all the time. They're pretty lifelike. They look. Yeah, they have dancing robots in Japan. So they're getting these robots now to help. Our military? Yeah. So you wouldn't have to be in the field, presumably. It would be acting That is for, funny how you. the first thing we used robots for was sex. Like, well, let's get a sex robot going on. And then, and like, then oh, fighting. Military. Then we'll do we'll We'll save do fighting. Lives. We'll do sex, then fighting. Sex, then we'll save some lives. Is it going to get to the point, then, that you just send the robots in and they fight each other? Yeah, no, that's what, it, that's what we're gonna heading It's just going to become toward. real steel on an, on an international scale. Yeah. Everyone's going to settle their fights. That's the way to go. Yeah. We'll just just bomb each other. No, I'm <laughs> but uh, robots are pretty cool. Did you ever have any toy robots growing up when they were kind of first becoming a thing? No, I was more into trucks. I was into Legos. I was into Evil Knievel. How, I mean, he had how rocket into, ships. Did you do things to emulate Evil Knievel? You just enjoyed watching? Oh, no, yeah, there was the toy Evil Knievel, wasn't there? Where he had a bunch like, of toys. Yeah, he could oh, launch okay. it. Yeah, he had like uh, the bike deal you uh, crank up the bike and let it go he had his cape i was into capes <laughs> superman <laughs> captain america Ma- magicians Ma- i like magic later on in life i've uh, gained an appreciation for magic later on when did the appreciate when did that happen when i moved near the magic magic castle in oh, hollywood really? I've never been in there. I gotta go. Uh, Me neither, awesome. but I've heard great things. <laughs> <laughs> but just being near it, you can feel the energy. It's an appreciation from afar. Yeah, I mean, I love card tricks. I love all that stuff. I'm a sucker for it. Oh yeah, good card trick. I I wish that's a skill that I could break out at a party because no one. I mean, even if you make fun of magic, you have to admit a good card trick is awesome. Oh, it's yeah. great. But then also, like, even if you have a good one, you're like the guy who brought the guitar to the party because you're like, hey. You guys like cards, or uh, you just got to pull it out? Unless you're great, though. If you're great, then it's the opposite, where it's like no one's ever said to the guy with a guitar at the party, hey, play another song. But with the card trick, you're like, show it to my friend. They'll be like, no, I can only do it once. I, I was at uh, at a party a few, like, at 4th of July, which is real weird. I went to Dane Cook's house. I didn't know him at all. But Oh, really? You but, have the address? Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains was there, and I'd never been more excited that someone had brought a guitar to a party. He just played Alice in Chains songs. Are you serious? I'm totally <laughs> serious. Al Jerry Cantrell played Alice in Chains songs at Dane, Dane Cook's, Cook's house. house. Next to the pool. It was insane. I was, was everyone like, singing along or just leaving it to him? No, to they do? were singing along, man. They were standing wow. around him singing along. Like Chris Was P- Dane singing too? Yeah, he was there. Chris Pine was like there singing along. And I was just like, where the fuck what? am I, man? Wait, back, how did you get invited to this party or, or crash this well, party? Well, I was. it was my... Uh, oh, wait, this party. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting it. No, it was just... Uh, my manager, her uh, her fiance is like real good friends with him, and uh, I just went there and was real uncomfortable, so I got super drunk, and then that's the way to handle bothered that. Bothered Jerry yeah. Cantrell, like, could you play brother again? <laughs> he's a nice guy, actually. He's pretty oh, cool. He's so cool, yeah. It was, uh, but like, that's the only time I've ever been at a party and be like, I'm fucking so happy, right? That Finally, that someone broke out a guitar. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if instead he just played a bad version of Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, just someone else's. <laughs> that's what I picture. That's what I picture Dave Navarro doing if he shows up at a party. Because I saw there's, like, there's a down, scene. Down, down, down. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yeah, he just has to keep starting over. But there's a scene in the Sarah Silverman stand-up movie Jesus is Magic, which I'm I in. Think it's yes, another Play credit of Stephen Brody Stevens. Yes. <laughs> you play a limousine driver in that one? I play a uh, agent, Jewish guy in a German car. It's a non-speaking 
It's a non-speaking verbal. Oh, okay. <laughs> non-speaking cameo. It's a good movie. It's a, if you haven't seen it, listeners, uh, check that out. But there's a scene where Dave Navarro is hanging out backstage, and no one's paying attention to him because the rest of the crew is all comedians who are much more entertaining off the cuff than Dave Navarro. But he's just sitting there in the corner with an acoustic guitar playing the intro riff from Ziggy Stardust, <laughs> just hoping someone will <laughs> say someone something go, hey, is it, to uh, him. Dave Navarro? <laughs> he's That's a popular even... guy. I guess. He seems like a pretty cool dude. I get. He I seems think. like a, he seems like a total rock star. He's just is exactly what you would expect. Like, hey man, I, I'm the coolest guy, and I do drugs, and I'm fun. I'm into tattoos. Real into tattoos. I like Twitter. Yep. Got a sense of humor. Super rock star. Um, nice guy. From he came up to me one time after a show. That's how I, I know oh, somebody's man, nice. Yeah, exactly. If they come up to you, that's real nice. That is, I like that a lot. Like, I thought it was somebody trying to look like him. Oh, really? But it was him. Oh. What show was that? Uh, it was at Dan Cook's house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was at Dublin's, actually, a long time ago. Long time ago, which is like Dan Cook actually performed there quite a bit. But it's fun to perform in front of rock stars. No, it feels real cool. I was I was doing a show last night, and Louis Anderson was there. And I was like, oh, man. Like, but then he got up and left uh, mid-set. I remember seeing Louis Anderson leave. And I was like, oh. all right. Well, I'm not bummed about that, but you, not happy. He walked Louis Anderson. I walked Louis Anderson last <laughs> You weren't night. his type. I, I guess not. Um, I, I don't want to double that, but you, you just um, Brody brought up Japan, and we managed to... Brooks resisted the uh, urge to launch into his favorite impression, but um, we've had we've, we have. I do, some I do racist impressions, Brody. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. We we got some feedback. We got we finally um, we've had someone. We we asked at the end of every episode for critique, uh, for criticisms, uh, for any kind errors of po- errors pointed out because I think you know this is a science right. pro- podcast. We hold ourselves vaguely up to scientific ideal. We we like to find and admit our mistakes. Uh, so we've 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 had someone uh, email in from um, Japan, an, an American who lives in Japan, and we were, were expecting it to be the accents that were that was his problem, but no, it's um it's wailing. That's right. Back in episode was it maybe three or four we well, talked about. Uh, ooh, let's get Brody's opinion on what. Do you have any opinions on Japanese whaling? Do you know about they kill that? they kill the whales? It's <laughs> <laughs> part of the process, right? It's an important that part is... of the whaling process. Well, um, it's probably not a good idea. Right. We're, Are there a lot of whales there? Is there a huge whale population? No, they go down to like they're endangered Australia to do it. Oh, okay. They're, down, they're doing it like in the Indian Ocean. And what are they doing? Like uh, fin soup and all that stuff. That sharks generally, but I think they they sell. What they do is now they cl- that there wasn't a complete embargo, and they've managed to get it lifted, but on the grounds that they're whaling for scientific research. Yeah. So, uh, the, so they kill the whales for science. They get to kill like 900 whales a year for science. And then they s- sell the meat that's left over from the experiments the way dead, that they were going to... You s- might as well. Yeah. yeah. We got, we got uh, an email uh, defending Japanese whaling. I'll just read you verbatim from the email. He says, I'm living in Japan and should tell you that the whale meat... That whale meat is and has been a staple food for this country. Japan, as you know, is a small island country about the size of California in total space with little room for cattle or other livestock. Seafood is one of the main food sources here. If you've never eaten whale, maybe try it before demonizing it. No, I'm not going to try it. Like, <laughs> I'm not Japanese. I'm from the States, but I'm so tired of the politically correct crap happening in the world right now. What a, what a, it's just a weird thing to be upset about. Like, hey, let's, let them fucking kill the whales, guys. Well, I mean, to be fair, I really, I'm complete, I'm even less informed on this than I am on most science things. Uh, so I don't even know. Is, are these whales endangered enough that there's no possible... Uh, way of of 
of fishing for them for food no, that's, that's, that's ethical? But or? they are on they're on the risk list. They're definitely on the risk. But here's the thing that like I went to Japan about ten years ago. You've you've been to Japan more I've recently. I've been there. Yeah. Did you at any point eat whale? No. Uh, nor did I. Like that you like, know of. That <laughs> as far as you know. That is true. But like I don't I don't um What are you guys doing in Japan? Just go do shows or I was I go ahead, man. Oh I I was just there on a vacation ten years ago, but Brody was there for better reasons, right? Well, my friend was a coach with the Yankees, New Ooh. York Yankees baseball team, and yeah. they opened their season out there against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And speaking of fish, and I had the opportunity to go over there for about a week or so and check it out, That's and I nuts. did, and it was kind of cool. And I saw a couple of baseball games and ate at the different uh, restaurants and McDonald's and Seven Eleven and Italian food and. <laughs> It's it's hard to get adjusted to the the food, but you find your spots. There we go. Is it, are, they, are McDonald's real nice in Japan? Like in some countries, they're like real nice. They're yeah, like they're Starbucks. nicer than they are here. Oh, okay. No graffiti. People respect them. Wow. Even yeah, the Seven Elevens I went to when I, I used to travel to Asia for work, and I think in Taiwan were some of the nicest Seven Elevens I've ever seen. Just pristine, and they have much nicer food selections, and just that you wouldn't if you didn't see the sign, you just know you would guess it was a Seven Eleven. Right. Oh, that sounds nice. Just, you know, yeah, they re- they respect their okay. stores. It's just more respect in general. So anyhow, so this this uh, listener, Richard, I uh, won't give his last name in case I uh, get more hate email. It's not hate it's email. It's a hate email. Like, he, he's made his point. Um, goes, I think we guys, still disagree with his point. No, I think, I'm saying maybe people are going to be uh, so against whaling that they're going to... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, let's not get him hate mail on, yes, our, exactly, on our behalf. Exactly. But, but I don't know. I mean, if there if there is an, if there are enough whales to hunt them for food, you know, I, if it's I don't delicious, think if, it's, if it tastes good enough, I can. There's a lot of leeway. Well, here's here's the thing. I did a little bit of research on the back of this because um, the BBC certainly seems to think that it wasn't. There was an article about it when the when the whaling restarted, and it said whale meat was an important source of meat uh, shortly after the war when food was fairly scarce, um, but since there's substantially better sources of food now and um it just isn't there's there's a lot of tuna a lot of salmon mm. a lot of other fish tuna is uh, good fairly readily available um salmon and um, like. it's according to the BBC article anyway it says few japanese see the point in eating whale which doesn't taste that special i feel <laughs> i feel like the japanese who eat whale are probably like our version of hillbillies who are like it's good meat Oh, okay. This is like road. This is a roadkill of the sea, essentially. Well, I don't know, but I think it seems to be sort of a point of pride thing and a right. I think it seems to come down a lot to them being like, I don't, you, you can't tell us what to do. Right, right. Or maybe this guy was emailing to mess with us, and he doesn't actually care. And he was being hyperbolic. I don't know. I don't know. I want to do a redneck. He did close the email by saying, "Do you redneck Japanese guy?" Do can you do do the last line of the email that he sends in that voice though? Hold on, I don't even. I'm trying to. Uh, we asleep with a sister. I don't know, man. That's terrible. I didn't like that one bit. <laughs> the, last, the last line of the email, which uh, might color the whole thing differently, is "Nuke the gay baby whales with AIDS for Jesus." Is my theme. Wow. All right. Well, let's oh, move on to so, the next thing. Sounds like a yeah. straight shooter. Yep. Thanks for your feedback. <laughs> we do have better feedback than also, but Matt, what do you have for us? We do. Well, um, here's a nice little story. Uh, I don't know. This is still on our movie theme. This is a bit Jurassic Park here. Um. In, in the lamest way um, a group of scientists have managed to resurrect a 30,000 year old plant which they've cultivated from fruit uh, uh, fruit tissue that they recovered from frozen sediment in Siberia um, and they've managed to they um, 
applied growth hormones to the tissue. They managed to kickstart cell division and ultimately produced a viable flowering plant. So this is a plant that would have existed 30,000 years ago. This is properly prehistoric times. The previous record was a mere 1,200 years. That was a a lotus that they managed to get back. So this is 30,000 years ago, and they've managed to get life going again from a few bits of... It's not a prop from the movie Land of the Lost? It is not. (laughs) Though no one's checked too closely, it might be plastic. Like, imagine if that just, yep, yep, we've done it. Now no one look. No one look too closely. Bro, do you, ever, do you have plants at your house? Do you grow. You know, plants? I've tried to have plants. Where I'm living now, no. Where I lived prior, yes, but I didn't water them. Yeah. Uh, you need to water them. Plants give off life. Plants give off energy. They're a living being, and it is something that you. Um, I mean, my mom always had plants. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. She was. I always had to water her plants, and they do add to the a room. Right. They add. Uh, I, I think a woman atmosphere. a woman likes seeing a plant at your place because it shows that you can be responsible for something. Yeah, you right. could sell stuff, marijuana. <laughs> uh, but we had plants, and I, I do feel that they give up oxygen, and people say like it's just helpful for your moods and all that. Right. But as of right now, no, I don't have any plants. We had, we had a plant, but then our dog ate the plant. Oh, really? Yeah, Pearl ate a plant, and then I was worried that it would be uh, deadly. So, for the plant to be eaten? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was worried about. No, I was just like, well, you might die now, Pearl, but yeah, like, we're going to have it was to... good. Well, I just hung out with her, and she didn't throw up, so I was like, oh, you're probably great. She ate the real, the whole thing? She just ate all the leaves off of it. Like, it was just like a like a little... Oh, it's like spinach. Yeah, I guess, maybe. Roughage, a little yeah, salad. Right. Well, you just weren't giving her enough variety in her diet. You were giving her all meats, and she needed to get some leafy greens. That's true. There yeah. you go. Your dog's a hippie. Fucking pearl, man. By the way, what do you guys think about people that force their dogs to be vegetarians? I've never heard of that. Oh, that's a thing. Yeah, I, I know crazy. people. And I, know, I know someone with a vegan dog. Yeah, yeah. They don't let him eat meat or anything? Nope. They give him vegan dog food. The dog had no say in the matter, of course. The dog didn't like <laughs> bark twice if it didn't like meat. They didn't have anything like that. Yeah. thing is, I, the guy I know, he's, he eats meat himself. He's just an asshole. <laughs> Wait, really? He's, he, no, no, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Do one. as I say, not as I do, dog. My mom gives uh, our dog kibble. Daisy, she gets kibble. What is the What is the definition of the word kibble? I'm not even... Is kibble a brand? It's a brand. It's, is it a brand? It's just, I thought it was uh, a lowercase k. Like, Kibbles and thing. bits was, yeah. like a, was like a big dog brand, and then I thought people just called it kibble. I think kibble is just, it's the dry food. It's like the rocks. It's real crunchy. Right. Oh, okay. So pretty much all dog food is considered kibble. Like all those little nugget things. Yeah. The cereal looking we, that's stuff. What, that's what we give Pearl. Uh, my old dog at home, we gave it like this kibble in bits, which was like four different colors. There was like brown, light brown, lighter brown, and then a red one. And she would only eat the red ones. And she got super fat because it was like, <laughs> my mom was like, like, she got so fat. And like at the vet checkup, she's like, she just eats the red. And they're like, well, that's the candy. <laughs> yeah. they, she would just pick out all the like the little candy part. It's and like she when lived you get... off a of candy for a solid year. It's like crunch berries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she, oh man, like it was this little miniature pincher that like she couldn't go upstairs. She got so oh, fat. Oh man, oh. that's what I used to do with trail mix though. Is just pick out the M and M's. They have like a yeah, coating yeah. of salt from all the nuts around them. But you just yeah, I was, the, the other day. Oh, never mind. I just had a joke that I wish that they made trail mix that was just M and M's. That's a good joke. I liked it. It's always good when someone says that's a good joke. That's what I do. I never laugh out loud at people's jokes. I go, I just go like, yeah, I I get, I get that joke. See where that's coming from. Yeah, Yeah. that's a 
that has uh, comedic integrity. <laughs> exactly. So this plant, 30,000 years old, what do you think? Is this going to introduce some new sort of... What if this is some vi- virulent strain of plant that's now going to take over because it lied dormant while everything Ooh. else... You know what I'm saying? What if it was a, yeah, it's quite a sinister story. I mean, it was, um, it was buried by a now fossilized squirrel. By a squirrel? Yeah. Hmm. A squirrel was... Uh, so yeah, that's all we know about it. A squirrel stashed it around 31,800 years ago, just before the Ice Age. Oh, nice. nice. And then how did they... Did they find a seed from it? Like, how did they actually get no, it? No, this, this is what's different about it from previous stories. Um, they found... Uh, they just found some, uh, some of the tissue. Uh, and uh, the, one of the scientists... Oh, no, this is just a scientist commenting on it. It's just said it's an exciting result and tells us we shouldn't just look for seeds when trying to generate ancient material. They can actually oh, okay. just find a piece of it and then yeah, just a clone it. It's it's like, but like, they don't care at all about the squirrel. They don't care yeah, about the squirrel. The squirrel's still, squirrel still frozen there. Man. The squirrel's just still there, fossilized, can go fuck itself. Where were you guys when you saw Jurassic Park? What was that situation? I was in Tarzana, the valley. In the theater? You go to the theater for that one? I believe so, yeah. I remember seeing Jurassic Park. That's a great movie. So good. Realistic. <laughs> Steven Spielberg based on a real Sam Neill a real thing what a, that, that kind of made me hate Jeff Goldblum for a while because he was on a kick where he was always playing that character and now I, I love him like I, in, in Portlandia this season I realize he's got great comedy chops and I I love everything he does but when he's playing that scientist character it's a little bit that, that smug fast talking scientist he did like Independence Day Jurassic Park yeah, yeah, it's a little, it's a little I much. Was, it's a little was, too gold bloomy. I was so in Jurassic Park. I got the posters, put them up around my room. Jurassic Park dinosaurs. I loved it. We drove. My family lived an hour from like the nearest movie theater, and we drove to see it, and it was sold out. So oh, it's like the saddest what? drive back ever. <laughs> wow. You was, didn't try to order over the phone ahead of time. This is, uh, this is Iowa. Yeah, this is Iowa. You don't have phones. No, I mean like we, you can holler it from town would, to town. It'd be party lines. Like our, each community shared a phone, and you know certain rings. <laughs> party, party lines those are pop excuse me for yawning party lines those are uh they were popular no, or you just I'm kidding that's like how people used to have phones though there was one communal phone and someone just yelled out your name if it was no my you. mom told me like when she grew up there was like they all shared like the same phone line in this like small like rural area but like th- like three short rings was for this family and like two shorts and a long was for another family right and then really? they would bust. There was one lady in like the community who would always listen to other people's phone calls because <laughs> like you could just pick it up and hear. I still got it in my head that still to this day where you live, you just go to the hollering tree. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. what's that? What's a hollering tree? Just you, where they go to holler. Just yell for someone else instead of a phone. <laughs> Can't all be from Tarzana, guys. Tarzana. <laughs> that feels like you're out in a jungle. It, it's. I mean, isn't that? That's why he named it Tarzan, right? Well, Edward uh, Edward Rice Burroughs, he wrote Tarzan. That's where he's from. Okay. So Tarzan, Tarzana. But it's the opposite way, where it was named for Tarzan. He didn't name the character for the place. The place was named for the character, right? Yeah. yeah I think yeah. it was named after, yes. Because he was... In yeah. honor of him. Which I didn't realize. I just thought it was like a weird name, like Topanga. It just sounds weird. Oh, okay. oh the but place was... Sorry. It's I named for Tarzan. Yeah. The, the area. It's, is it an actual city or just a neighborhood? Wait. It's a... Uh, 
It's a city. Tarzan is named for Tarzan. It's I thought it was the Tarzan other way town. Yeah. No, no, no. It's named for the character because <laughs> no the, the guy who created Tarzan lived in this area, so it's called Tarzana. That's insane. Yeah. That's the place we live. If you listen to this, you don't live in LA. <laughs> Move here. This is the Rice, kind of place <laughs> magic happens here. If you but create... it's not a real city. It's uh, like a metro. It's a meta, metamucil. It's right. A, a meta, metamucil. It's a uh, high fiber. High fiber conglomerate of of, of metropolitan. It's a metropolitan. It's a metropol metropolitan. It's a census designated place, maybe like Laughlin, Nevada. I don't know. Yeah, I know it's it's Laughlin, Nevada is a real place. That's a real it's place. It's a census designated yeah. place. I will bet you. I don't know what that means. Census designated place. <laughs> All a, I know is what I learned on Wikipedia. It's a municipality. Is that a word? That sounds. Yeah, that just sound like you. something you learned in geography and never used again. Uh, I went to Laughlin. I was curious it, what it was. I did a show in Laughlin. It is a census designated the, place. At the Edgewater. In I the vicinity of an oxbow lake. It is not a city. According to Wikipedia, Laughlin is a census. Not? I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. You can look over my shoulder. Laughlin is a census designated place in Clark County, Nevada. What does census, census designated place it's mean? It's not a city. It's a, it's, this is also like Tarzana. It's pretty much one guy just decided to start building casinos. But there's no gambling in Tarzana. There isn't, no. But it's named. It's just a guy who got to uh, just start Putting in casinos, I mean, and there a, wasn't even a city. You just put casinos in, and now it's now it's a thing. In Tarzana, there's illegal Russian card rooms. Ooh, <laughs> that happens. Have you been to one? I've no, I don't, I'm not into that, but I just know that stuff goes on there. Oh, okay. But the neighborhoods changed a lot since the '90s. I could see you playing in a, in a in an unspoken role, a character actor thing. I could see you as maybe oh another a Russian. cameo, great. <laughs> I would want you to speak it. Well, how's your Russian accent? Can you do a good Russian accent? Vladimir. Oh, Vladimir, please hit me on 21. See? Perfect. Perfect. That's, 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 per that's a good accent, but terrible card play. Yeah. <laughs> hit, hit me on 21. I would have stayed. I, I would have stayed on 21. <laughs> Freeze on 17. <laughs> Not bad, right? I liked it. It sounded good. I mean, like it's, it's almost as good as my hillbilly J Japanese Vladimir, person. I checkmate. So anyhow, so Tarzana is awesome, and I'm hoping that maybe in like 30 or 40 years, wherever uh, Spielberg, Katzenberg, or Geffen lives will be known as Shrekton. We'll have a Shrekton neighborhood. <laughs> no way. Yuck. I don't want no. Yuck. Boo. No, no, okay. no way. You like Shrek? No, but I don't like Tarzan either. <laughs> How dare you? Who wouldn't like Tarzan? I love Tarzan. It just sounds great. Tarzana, I loved living there. I felt like I was out in the jungle. It didn't feel like any other city. It was clean. It was, uh, it was out there. In the valley, you don't like the name Tarzan? No, I uh, do. I'm sorry. I like the name. I just I don't even think I've seen a full Tarzan movie or or show or radio. Play I used to watch a TV show. There was a TV show. Who played Tarzan? When I Johnny watched West. it, Ron Eli. Oh, okay. I think was that's it? his name. I think of I think of Brendan Fraser, and it was he didn't even play Tarzan. He just played George of the Jungle. Right. That's what's the one. Wasn't Johnny Weissmuller the, the Olympic swimmer? Wasn't he yes. one of the Tarzans? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Good call, Andy. I was. Uh, you and I share this. Actually, I, I don't want to admit this to our fans because you know we're catering the nerd audience because we're all science background guys. Don't but call our fans nerds. Listen, Brooks isn't the only guy who has jock tendencies. I know you wrestled. I was actually a swimmer in college, Division One varsity. What college? Well, it's Cornell, so it's not. It's, you went to Cornell? Yeah, so it's not non-scholarship. So the, the caliber of athleticism is much lower there. But it's a good uh, school. That's a thank solid you. school. But wow. you were a baseball player. Arizona, Arizona State, State recruited walk on, earned a scholarship, traveled, graduated, coached, was there. Baseball, College World Series, UCLA, Stanford, Hawaii twice, Texas. <laughs> Been to these locations, Riverside. Ooh. Fastest pitch ever. What's your fastest? Me? I got clocked at 91. Jesus. I threw pretty hard. I would have probably thrown harder, but 
my mechanics, and that's a science type issue. Oh yeah, my mechanics away through the ball weren't ideal. I've gotten better actually over the years, understanding mechanics, getting my body to work together, and putting less stress on my elbow and making it uh, able to throw harder. So did they used to film you and break it down and like show you in slow motion doing like? We didn't really have that technology back then. This is. You know, early 90s, right. late 80s, early 90s. So I didn't have that technology, and also I wasn't a top guy. But if I was there today, let's say, I'm sure everybody gets the technical breakdowns. Right. I didn't get those. Like, in where I was at, if you were a top player, you got the attention. If you weren't, you had a scratch and claw and yep. bug other players to get advice. So it was hard for me in that aspect to grow. But... I'm not bitter. I felt like I got everything out <laughs> my, of it. Yeah, you, yeah. My last day of baseball was in seventh grade, and I was terrible, but I thought I was good. Uh, and then the realization came with a pop fly, real easy, that just smashed me in the face. Ouch. <laughs> I could just missed it completely. The easiest catch ever. And then, like, I left that inning because, you know, it just smashed my face. Uh, and I was like, I don't want to come out now. And then I just never asked to go back in. And no one was like, Brooks, you want to go back in? So... Never oh yeah, played again. I don't know how a baseball player ever gets over the fear of the ball in any whether it's a pitch or a pop fly. I just don't have the nerve to uh, like. I know you have to put the mitt in front of your face to make the pop fly catch, and my dad would always try to get me to do that, and I I would want to have it away from my face so that there's no chance it misses. Oh, you would the catch mitt. to the side. Yeah, I don't want to be looking oh, through the holes in the glove. What, what is be, a pop fly? Just a, a fly, a ball that goes high in the do air. You guys not have baseball in England? No, no. I I mean I've heard talk of it. Oh, so like a line drive is going to be a faster ball. It's going to be harder to catch, but a pop fly, it should be a gimme to catch it because it's just slow moving. You can get yourself underneath it. Right. But I would always be just afraid of, of not judging it right and getting hit in the face by the ball. I was just afraid of the ball in every, in every sport I played. I was afraid. <laughs> That's why I turned to swimming because you really can't, it requires no nerve and no coordination. Yeah. It's a pretty Ooh, easy. I got, I got a question for Brody. Highest profile baseball player you pitched against. Um, there's some guys who made the major leagues. Nobody huge. Barry Bonds would work out with us and exercise, Ooh. but I wasn't like a top stud player. Right. I'm sure I played against guys who went on to the major leagues that I don't quite remember. Maybe I didn't know who they were back then. Right. But it was never like, oh, this guy's already a star and he's going to go on to be a star. It was only like a couple of those guys, and they're on my team. Yeah. Basically, Paul Laduca played with the Dodgers. Mike Kelly went on to win base, college baseball player of the year and he played in the, he didn't have a great career in the major leagues but he played um Fernando Vina number was just retired played in the major leagues for like 10 12 years well so there are those guys but again I wasn't a star and uh well but I was around it we're very excited about it I was around it and I get it there you go and the best coaches aren't always the be- weren't always the best players you know oh yeah for sure that's I just watched uh Bryant Gumbel real sports with him about these two coaches um i don't remember their names this is a terrible story (laughs) but they were not great players but didn't turn into um, like both of them coach in the nba and are great coaches yeah there you go you don't need to know how to do it to know how to tell others how to do it which sort of well that's real scientific of you yeah 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 uh this is very tangentially related to the next story we're talking about which is um kidney transplant chains uh, and those are things I hadn't heard of before seeing this article, that the world's longest kidney transplant chain was just completed. And what a kidney transplant chain is, uh, basically, if you, much like being a player and not a good coach or vice versa, let's say you've got a, a sibling who needs a kidney, but you're not a good match. 
You can't. I think trying him, to connect this to the baseball analogy. It gonna, it's already confusing it's enough of the story. Loose. With it's <laughs> very loose. Uh, basically, if you can't donate to your friend or your your sibling who needs a kidney, you can donate to somebody else, and then hopefully that person's sibling or friend friend who was going to donate to them but isn't the right match will donate to somebody else, and so on and so forth until this entire cycle is complete and everyone's got a kidney of the right blood type of the right donor match. Because the only people who would obviously be willing to give up a kidney besides just a random good Samaritan, would probably be someone whose right. immediate family is affected. But they want to do something, but they can't. So it's theirs. like kidney baseball card trading. It's exactly. It's like a kidney key party is what it's more like, I think. It's like you put your kidney into the uh, fishbowl at the beginning of the party. Um, but yeah, they just completed the world's longest kidney transplant chain that involved 30 donors and 30 re- recipients and 17 hospitals nationwide. And that was done at wow. Loyola University. And the final re- recipient of the chain was Don Terry, of Joliet, Illinois, who underwent a kidney transplant at Loyola, and his kidney came from a donor in California. So, so what would you do if, like, one guy in the middle of the chain decides to be a dick? Yeah, like, one guy gets skittish and is like, yeah. don't cut me up. I'm, yeah. We then, started. Like, that's that's we started where it the ends. chain. Yeah. He like, has an argument with his brother or then wife one guy, or whatever, like, fuck you, I'm not going to donate your kidney to that fucker. And just- it's a fine line between a kidney chain and just a kidney Ponzi scheme or a kidney pyramid scheme. It's like the whole idea is... You just do this thing trusting that someone else will do this other thing, but if they yeah. don't, suddenly you're the, you're left the bag holder. Or it goes double wrong and suddenly you end up with 10 kidneys. Right. <laughs> what do I do with these kidneys? I don't need this many kidneys. What if someone just accepts a kidney but already just like, I want another one. So I'm going to have three kidneys now. I drink a lot. So That's, it went 40 people? 30, 30 people all underwent, very all, either, either got or gave a kidney um, because it wasn't like a one-to-one thing where like the person who needed it knew the person directly who was going to give it to him. It was like they knew a person who was willing to give a kidney to somebody uh-huh. who was going to pay it forward all the way back to their friend again. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. But they didn't know it was going to go that far, right? Is that something I don't, don't know, know how they coordinate. There must be, I'm guessing it's someone's job just to coordinate It must be like a central chains. database. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, there's an app for it. Yeah, there's got to be an app for kidneys. <laughs> Find a kidney near you. Uh, yeah. I, uh, it says that the... Um, the record-breaking chain began when a Good Samaritan donated a kidney at Riverside Community Hospital in Riverside, California. His kidney was flown cross-country to a recipient at St. Barnabas Medical Center in Livingston, New Jersey. From there, the chain moved back and forth across the country, stopping at Loyola on the 12th link and finishing at Loyola on the 30th link. So the one kidney traveled everywhere? I'm no, kidding. no, no. It's Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, it's implanted till that person dies and they take out that kidney again. <laughs> Just keep paying for the, one, the, same guy the who, one tired organ. Yeah. It's the same doctor who did the human centipede. Exactly, yeah. This is a much more benign version of human... Have you seen Human Centipede, Brody? No, but I know of that movie. You don't need to see it. Yeah, if you've heard the, the premise of it, you've Yeah, I haven't enough. seen the movie. I've I, not I seen it either. Netflix it's, Instant. I like horror movies. I like them gory. I like them silly and campy, but that one's not even... It's just not even fun. It's... It's dark and scary or not scary? No, it's not, it's not even that scary. It's just a bad movie as far as actual structure of the story. It's not that exciting. Like once he sews everyone's mouths to everyone else's butts, that's kind of it. You've kind of peaked. That's the maybe early oh, to second it act. Away. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're wondering, yeah, it does happen. People's mouths get sewn to... Can you edit a spoiler bottom. alert in? Uh, yeah. Did you... Um, have you seen Troll 2? Do you know about this movie? Of no. course. Troll 2 is regarded as the worst movie ever made. Uh-huh. Like, like uh, on IMDb and stuff. And they made an awesome documentary called Best Worst Movie, which is just about how did this movie get made. Yeah. It's awesome. It's on Netflix Instant. Recommend. 
Yeah, I love how how cheesy the the main character, not the main character, the father in the movie is now a dentist, and he's, he's he was a dentist at the time. I guess he was studying. I thought he was yeah. studying. Well, he's he already a dentist. Been. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so this he, is the only thing he's ever acted in, and he's an awful actor. But he has this problem that I think, I think if you have this certain personality trait, you're either going to become a bad comedian or a dentist slash dental hygienist, which is. Like you, you need attention. You need a one-way conversation with people. You can, yeah, you can't. There you is captive he is audience, con, like constantly trapping people in the dentist office. Oh yeah, and oh, doing yeah. material to them. And then once he gets new fame because the movie becomes a hit on like the cult film circuit, right? And they're documenting him going to all these screenings at like UCB New York of Troll Two. Now he's got a big head. He's going back home to Alabama and. Like bugging all these people who just need a root canal. To, yeah. Have you heard of a movie called Troll Two? Yeah, I was I'm in the, a movie. I'm the de- here, there's a part in it where I said you you don't piss on hospitality. <laughs> and he's laughing, and they oh, don't man. they don't have any context, so they're yeah. not laughing, and, <laughs> but they're having to get a root canal, so I have to hear about the stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. How many sort of ironic hipster Alabama dental yes. patients are there? And they had a screening. Probably a few. They had a screening of the movie in Alabama, <laughs> in his hometown. No, there weren't any actually, because they, they showed the screening that happened back there that had none of these people who ironically appreciated it. They were all people that were patients of the doctor who came out as a favor to him, <laughs> and they were all just respectfully quiet during the screening. <laughs> like, oh, that was good. I mean, they were you know, they were just polite. They weren't they weren't like hipsters who were like, ah, this is the worst thing ever. They're going to their friend's movie yeah. and trying to be nice about it. So it failed as, as a it's cult. A good, it's a good documentary. Watch the documentary. It is a good documentary. They, yeah. they bring the uh, director back who's Italian. He has no idea. He's like, oh, my movie's so popular. And then he watches a screen where they're laughing at the movie the whole time. And he's like, this is not funny. Oh, like, oh he still defends it. Yeah, yeah. He thinks it's a great oh, movie. Oh, wow. He like gets on the microphone and, and goes off on the audience. <laughs> Like, and this is in the documentary. Yeah, it's great. It's on Netflix. Best worst movie. Okay, sorry. The, the, we're just really pumping up HBO and Netflix and guys. Um, but what do, uh, for, what do you got for us, Brooks? Anything actually, science? Actually, this one's cool. I mean, it's just more pop culture, but uh, science-based. It's And it happened uh, maybe two months ago in December. The Mythbusters crew fired a cannon through a, a suburb. That's right. Much. Last week you said you were going to talk about I heard about, about that. Yep. Yeah. So what they did was they uh, they were like practice. They were shooting. I don't know what the myth was. Does, do cannons work? Because <laughs> they do. They Busted. work great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they fired a cantaloupe-sized cannon. Uh, they were in a firing range, but this cannon went 700 yards past where it was supposed to go. <laughs> Into, into this suburb at 4.15 p.m. when all these kids are getting off school, it blew, it was going so fast, like, I don't even know how fast, but it blew through the front door of a house, went up the stairs, through the bedroom wall, like out completely through this house, then crossed a six-lane road, bouncing the whole way, and it bounced, like, was bouncing crazy high, and it... Uh, Went off a roof, like tearing up tiles on a roof, and then finished by smashing into a parked minivan. <laughs> what? So this whole time, I thought it was still, I'm picturing like a cartoon. It's in the air, making holes that are all lining up. No, you can it, look through the holes. <laughs> but it's bouncing, but still going. It has that much momentum. that it's, it's, And just crushed into this minivan. And then these people came out and were like, oh my what God. What the fuck is that? It was a cannibal. Yeah. What do you mean, what was that? It was just I don't, a cannibal. And then so, the Mythbusters guys, they came out and they were like, Listen, we followed all the safety protocols, okay? Of firing cannons. Yeah, I was like, you what know. do you mean? You can't admit something went wrong. You have to admit that. Yeah, that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Do they do that at their live show? Oh, maybe. If that would through that the would. audience. Why do they do their live shows? They travel around. I've seen uh, that they do a live show, but... Uh, 
Really? Probably would... nothing dangerous like that. I mean, I heard about that one. That, I mean, that could have killed people. Yeah. It didn't kill killed people. many people. It could have. Right. I can't believe it didn't. I can't believe it said it went up the stairs. So the stairs the weren't stairs. enough to stop it. The stairs just made it change. It was its like path. it was like a family circus cartoon yeah, where they the watch line. Jeffrey run around, <laughs> only wreaking havoc and almost murdering. And the, the cannonball just said, "Not me." On yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, but uh, yeah. So then you know, right away they're like, "We're not stopping the show because of this." Like there was like no remorse. <laughs> It was like show must go on. Show's gonna go on, guys. You built a house in our cannonball firing range. Oh, I want to know how did the cannonball brutally attack the parked Toyota minivan? Because that's how the article describes it. It bounced across a th- six-lane thoroughfare, skimmed the top of another house before brutally attacking a parked Toyota minivan. <laughs> it's like it hit it and then backed up and hit it again. <laughs> yeah, and then it's called it a bitch. Yeah, like relentlessly it's like kicked deep. it to shit in a parking lot. That's. I, I wish I could have seen footage of the, even just photographs of. of are there pictures of, of, all, of all the places that went through? Uh, yeah, if you could look it up, you can see them. There uh, are? Yeah, yeah. You can see, like, the hole in the house and the oh, wow. front door just exploded in the minivan. So it's not just a myth. It's documented. Myth busted. No, not yeah. myth busted. Myth, Busters. myth confirmed. Confirmed the cannonballs bounce. <laughs> yeah. uh, bro, did you ever fire any guns growing up? Or when you were shooting Hangover in Vegas, did you shoot any guns there? No, I shot my scene here in L.A., actually. Oh, well. But I did have a gun on me, a prop gun. Um, and I did have a prop gun in Bangkok also. No, I did not shoot any guns. I have shot guns here in L.A. back in Burbank when in the mid-'80s. Just around Burbank? There was, just in Burbank, just shooting guns? Yeah, on Buena Vista in uh, Alameda. Oh. No, those are streets. I went to a <laughs> firing range. My friend, an older friend of mine, they went to, went to shoot guns. Yeah. And 357 Magnums and all that stuff. I remember it. It's kind of yeah. powerful, but yeah, it's real weird how quick you, they're just like, "All right, here it is." Yeah, I don't. I don't have those. I got in trouble, you know, saying I had a gun on Twitter about six months ago. So I try to keep away from the gun stuff. But hey, positive energy. No, um, <laughs> but I did shoot guns back there. I remember that. But I don't, I'm not some gun guy. Right? Yeah. No, me neither. I uh, I they, I shot a gun in Las Vegas last time I was there. It was really like hungover, and they were just like, "Have you been drinking?" I was like, "No." And they go, "You smell like alcohol." And I was like, "Well, no." And they go, "All right." <laughs> gave me the gun. You could shoot machine guns and machine everything. Machine guns, yeah. It wasn't like really? I was shooting. Yeah, and then I just oh went and God. just like I hated it. Like I instantly was like, I don't want to like. Man. But it, I had the gun. I was in the firing range. Like it was like you were already in the plane to jump out of it. So yeah, I, like, I yeah, gotta yeah. shoot this gun now. And See, it I, was so I was just was not into it. I had the option to. We were in Edmonton, and like, I don't know if you've been to West Edmonton Mall. I've it's heard it's of it. awesome, and like it's mass. It's the size of a town. It's big enough that the same kind of stores have more than one location in the same mall because it's wow. just like you're just gonna need because um, there's a roller coaster in the middle and then there's a shooting range and like we could have done a the shooting fu- range, shooting range, a firing range, a gun range, a place where you go gun shoot guns, right? And there's a gun gun shooting place, uh, and a couple of the guys went and shot the guns there, but we, I I was in the water park group, like we we were, oh. we were like no, we're gonna go on the flumes, which were amazing by the way, but but yeah, we watch the guys shooting the guns. What I hadn't realized is when you're there, there's there's one of the guys who works in the venue who's in the range at all times with a gun in a holster. I was like, oh, look at him looking all kind of fancy with his gun in his holster. He looks so proud. And then I realized, oh, no, he's there in, in case, case someone yeah. starts trying to shoot other people. He's there to kill He'll you. He'll kill you. <laughs> you yeah. turn your gun away from the range. He'll just kill you the, right there. Yeah, the yeah. one in Vegas, like, 
you're just sandwiched in there. Like oh, every, everybody's got a gun. You're awful. like shoulder to shoulder. I was like, this is the horrible. <sighs> like it'd be so easy to just. Woof! Did not like it. Had yeah. to get out of there. Plus, you're nursing a hangover and like feeling the the, the kickback of the gun. Right. And, like this did not like it. Deafening noises. And you get to pick. You get to pick your uh, what you shoot at because like it wasn't just like the generic black outline. Like you could pick. You could be real zombies. Race. Like, no, it was like a black guy. Oh. Like it was. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. That's extra though. Like, yeah. Had to, like, no, like and it was like a Middle Eastern dude. And it was just like, what the hell? I picked one where the dude was holding a woman hostage. How many and, times uh, did you hit the woman? I, I aimed for the woman. <laughs> and I, I, he was uh, black, right? She was black. That's oh. why I aimed for her. Um, oh, Brooks. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, but yeah, then I just, it was real fun. <laughs> I thought you said it wasn't fun. Now it, now it is fun. No, then I think about it. It was fun. No, no. I just realized. Like I was like in my head, I'm talking, but in my head, I'm like that was so racist. (laughs) Um. Okay. Well, continuing the booze theme, if not the race theme. Um. Here's a here's a little story. Uh. Um. Recently, it turns out fruit fly, um, fruit flies may use alcohol to kill parasites. Um, fruit flies get um, like it's, it's weird to even think that even smaller insects can attack or can be parasitic to larger insects. But fruit flies have a problem with certain parasitic wasps. Uh, they lay their eggs in them, and it turns out they drink the alcohol that comes from the rotting fruit that they live on. Um, they're resistant to it. They've got alcohol-resistant enzymes that they that they naturally have. Um, the wasp larvae aren't, and it kills them. Uh, so they they drink booze to self medicate, or just flies Whoa. drink beer. Flies flies drink beer basically. Flies flies drink beer. Where do they oh. get it from? They they get it from rotting fruit, like fermenting fruit naturally. Okay, alcohol oh. naturally come. So they go to these rotting fermenting fruits and they drink the alcohol from that. And <laughs> it um, it's really unpleasant for the wasps. It, uh, it says here. The wasps die, and all of their organs are diver- diverted out through their anus. What? Oh. Their guts actually pop out. And then it becomes part of a, uh, the kidney exchange. Exactly that, yeah. yeah. There we go. 40% kidney exchange. All pay comes it, full circle. It or forward. it becomes a wasp-human centipede. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Uh, I worked in a cave, was my first job. I was a tour guide inside a cave. <laughs> like, and, fuck uh, you, you specified that. No, and... Uh, right, just you. So, I, was a, day, I was an aerobic instructor in a cave. No, no, but one day I took the uh, our trash out, and we had a bunch of fruit that had fermented, and uh, deers like, got into the trash, and these deers got drunk. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, And they were just kind of, like, walking, like, wobbling in, on the road. It was uh, the funniest uh, Yeah, there's a video clip is. online that I've seen of, of some squirrels that have done the same. They've, they've eaten some rotting fruit, and, they, like, the squirrels just hammers trying to climb up the tree and just falling off and just oh, rolling wow. around. Yeah, it was. I was like, "What is going on?" And then my, uh, I guess it happened before to the woman who ran the cave. She's like, "Oh, those deers are drunk." I was like, "What is?" Go-? I was fifteen. I it was, I had no idea. I was really confused, and I was like, "I'm going to go touch one," but I didn't because I got scared. Well, they might put out scared of deers. No, maybe they would. So I'm still not quite clear on how the, uh, the fruit fly larvae have alcohol in them so that if wasps eat them, no no, they... no 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 here's here's what happens okay so so the fruit flies are naturally tolerant to alcohol because okay. they you know the the larvae are 
are la- their larvae are laid in rotting fruit. They grow up in alcohol. They basically are, they're, they're raised in an alcoholic atmosphere. So these are like so, these so, are like the hillbillies of of the fruit fly world. So basically. these, these fr- is, yeah, so they're kind of jugs with like three X's on them. They're all super them. tolerant yeah. to alcohol, but their parasites aren't. So when they get ill, or even to stop themselves from getting ill in the first place, they drink a whole lot of alcohol. They survive. The wasps die off. Okay, I see. I see. So, and, they, and then their guts pop out, as this scientist says in the article. Yeah, the guts you, of the wasps like, you, pop out of their anine. Like, you know the bit in The Princess Bride, where like, he's got the poison and the not poison, and it turns out they're actually both poisonous, but he's built up a tolerance. To iocane. So there you go. And yes. then and he survives, right? It's exactly that. Okay, wow. So they're, they're, sl- they're adjusting themselves, they're acclimating themselves to this poison, so that anybody else who tries to... Uh, yeah. Any parasites that try to... I don't think they're aware that that's what they're doing, but that is what well, they're doing. It just happened, right. That's, that's pretty awesome. I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like to grow up in so much alcohol that you're immune to the effects. And uh, there's probably a joke in there somewhere. College! Right, joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spring break! There is a joke in there. <laughs> but we're going to keep it serious. Let's keep, let's keep it science. <laughs> to science. We're going to keep it science. Yep. That's, yep. Yeah, we're, we're holding back all jokes today. This is just pure. Let's keep it science. Keep it let's for keep science. It I want to keep it science with this. The last science story we have to cover today is uh, a piece about, it turns out that babies can understand words a lot earlier than we thought they could. Uh, vocabulary learning and advances in sounding out syllables and consonants go hand in hand starting at about age six months, says um, a graduate student and psychologist of the University of Pennsylvania. Babies don't blurt out their first words until around one year of age, but there's evidence that six-month-olds direct their, gauges, direct their gaze to images of bananas, noses, and other objects named by their mothers and that challenges the influential view that world learning doesn't start until age nine months. This is according to an article on sciencenews.org. So I was called banana nose growing up. Banana, exactly. <laughs> Someone said banana nose, babies would look in your direction because they would understand that's what that word means. So um, uh, their guess is that a special human desire for social connection on the part of the parents and their infants is an important part of early word learning. So, so, so does this affect the age at which you can start swearing, stop swearing in front of your kids? That's what I was. Well, I was going to ask Brody. Do you think that uh, that the baby from the Hangover might have like long term after effects from having Zach sort of uh, make him play with himself? Maybe he remembered that. He yeah, I mean, to... it's muscle memory. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know they use two ch- kids in that movie. So there's two kids who now have been forcibly masturbated by Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, I don't know if it was a, I don't know if they spread that out between the two or <laughs> the one kid. This got. baby has been jacking off too much. Get the other baby in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's got to have some kind of effect, and maybe just hearing the language. No and, way. I bet it get. I bet that that baby gets laid in 18 years or whenever. Because he'll say, "I'm the baby from." Yeah, because he'll be like, "Hey, I'm the baby from the Hangover." He'll be one of a thousand kids that age who claim to be the baby from the Hangover. Well, I'm sure he'll have some sort of certificate, right? right the Nirvana right. baby. Yeah, yeah, Nirvana baby. Oh yeah, he's well, hooking up all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Is he? Does he still do the pose? Yeah. There was a, there the was dollar a th- bill from <laughs> hanging from his penis. <laughs> there was a thing. Is uh, it actually hanging from his penis? I think so. Wasn't it a dollar bill attached? No, it was that a baby. would have been as much as it was a meaningful. A, no, it was like they were fishing for a baby with money. That's what it was. Yeah. Gotcha. Money grubbing um, babies. But I saw that the kid did the pose again. Set, but he had uh, he had uh, swimming trunks on this time. Uh, okay. tw- it was a twenty years later. Is what it was. Right. Twenty years of never mind. And then they did it, the pose with that guy as a twenty year old. Yeah, I, was I like, think I saw that. Yep. It was like, oh yeah, it's probably shorts is a better idea. Yeah. At this, <laughs> age. this age would be inappropriate. That's right. I like it when someone does try to lie and say that they were some obscure 
child actor growing up because I, I was dating this girl who had a friend and she's like, oh you got to meet this maybe this is a one time only yeah, I was occurrence. like I don't know anybody who's doing that but I mean I feel like before the internet it was easier to to make up things like this oh right? my dad told me he, that you he, were yeah my dad was like adamant I believe him for years that he played uh, semi-pro baseball with Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> and the reason I believed him is because he knew his real name he's like yeah his real name is only like evidence he had Randy Boyle or no that's that's Hulk Hogan's last name. It was uh, Terry something. No, that, ter- that Terry Bull. That's that's Hulk Hogan's name. Anyway, he know Randy Savage's real name, and I was like, must be true. <laughs> How else will you know that? Yeah. He must have. And yeah. like, he, the only way is to have played Major League Baseball with him. Yeah, in a semi-pro. He didn't. He, he played minor ever. leagues. Uh, well, Macho Man played minor leagues. Right. I mean, my dad. I mean, there was Poffa. there was stuff there. Poffa. Yeah, it is Papa. Like everything added up because my dad did. Play baseball like through college and uh, Randall Mar- Mario Poffo. Yeah, and he knew his name. He's like, yeah, we played semi pro ball together. Uh, I believe it. No, it wasn't. I it still was absolutely it. wasn't true. But there was points where he'd be on the phone and he'd be like, okay, later, <laughs> later, later, Poffo, and like he'd hang up and I'd be like, was that Macho Man? He's like, yeah. And I was like, let me talk to him next time. He's like, for sure, yeah. <laughs> have fake conversation. Wait, how long wow. did they, this is an elaborate hoax? Your dad was. How many years did this go on? Uh, I mean, he'd been doing it to my older brothers, and so like I was way more gullible, I think. I remember because you guys were all big re- pro wrestling fans. Yeah, I mean, everybody was at that t- like when he was huge. It's just awesome. This just says a lot about how desperate your dad was for your approval. That <laughs> no, he I wanted just, you guys to think he was he cool. Was just, I, I think that's funny. Just did he do, do it? Did he do it as a joke, or is this like the beginning of a sad story? Where <laughs> <laughs> over years, he be- he believed it more and more. Yeah, yeah. he thinks it himself now, yeah. and he carved the word Macho Man in his arm. Right. <laughs> I saw a picture of Macho Man right before he died. Uh, Right, like sitting behind home plate at like a Tampa Bay Devil Rays game. Yeah, I forgot he died, didn't he? Recently, it was yeah. like a car crash. This thing it was. It was a devastating. Yeah, like a year ago, <laughs> May twentieth, two thousand eleven. Yeah, almost a year. It's yeah. kind of sad. It is. It is sad. Randall Mario Papa before he had a heart driving. attack while he was driving. And, and he then, crashed the car. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it took a heart attack and a car crash to bring him down. Yeah. It's a lot of heart attacks from pro wrestlers, isn't there? It's kind I of the if thing. It's related to anything else that they've ingested. The massive the muscles, like Pro, suspiciously large muscles. Pro wrestlers have like a life expectancy of 1820s coal miners. <laughs> it's probably true. Yeah. Like they're all like this. You're going to die young in that profession. But anyway, what I was going to say about people lying about their uh, connections to fame was that I had a friend of a friend who claimed to be the 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 boy from Alf. He claimed to be I think Danny Tanner was the name and uh, so I was dating this girl who knew the guy and, and she was saying oh you gotta meet my friend he was the kid in Elf and it was this thing his entire circle of friends had all accepted without question <laughs> so it was the thing everyone loved to talk about about it and I was super excited because I loved Elf and I'm a trivia buff and I know I happen to know all these other things about the world of, of that show and they made a whole movie about the writer who was on heroin right uh, Jerry ben Stahl Stiller, Jerry Stahl right so there's all that and then there's also the fact that the neighbor uh, Raquel Akmonik, played by um, the woman who played Jerry Seinfeld's mom later on. She, I knew that she uh, had she dated uh, she dated James Dean earlier in her life. <laughs> she has a crazy life, so I had all these questions I wanted to ask this kid, not to call him out, but just like I was like, "That's so cool, you were on Elf." I loved the show. I want to ask him these things, and I and I asked him uh, just a few things about. I was like, "So could you t- that writer guy who was on heroin? Did you ever like see him on set? Like was he?" 
and he had he knew no details at it became so <laughs> obvious within 20 seconds of talking to him this was a huge thing he'd made up that no one had ever called him on i was the first person to ever ask for any detail and i wasn't doing it to be a dick but purely because i was i thought it was awesome and i wanted to hear more about it and then i felt bad right away and i just dialed it back on the questions because i'm like oh this is just this lie he tells and everyone else wants to believe is true and I'll be a dick if I go any further with this. But like, what a, these days with the internet, you can just do the bare minimum of research to back up your shitty lie. You just go do <laughs> just, some research on the show, on the actor who actually did play yeah. the kid. Watch an episode and Watch be an aware epi- of the fact that he looks remarkably different. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he was, he was pretty young, but I was so bummed out by that because I'm like, I don't mind a liar as long as you do research, you know. Brody, favorite show growing up? What was your go-to? I liked uh, The White Shadow. I liked Beavis and Butthead. I was in college. Love Beavis. And I liked Happy Days. I liked Jeffersons. I liked What's Happening. I liked Benny Hill. Ooh. I liked professional wrestling. Favorite pro wrestler? Um, you know, everyone loved Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, all the basics. I didn't have like one go-to guy. Really? But I liked Hogan. Who I didn't was, like Hulk Hogan? I was a big fan of Marty Jannetty. Who was part of the heart? The no, he wasn't heart part of the heart foundation. No, no, no. He was part of the Rockers. He, he was. Uh, oh yeah. He was teammates with Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Shawn Michaels took off, and I was like, "Where'd Marty Jannetty go?" He's oh yeah, yeah. Right. That what happened because Shawn Michaels became a like big solo big star, star, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I thought that it was like a weird like uh, alt thing that I was doing as a child. Like Marty Jannetty was the better rocker. Like just yeah. so And Andrew Richley was the main guy in Wham. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I liked Wham. Who didn't like Wham? Exactly. Who didn't? I didn't realize uh, that was before I understood that that was back when the word gay was still being thrown around the schoolyard, but I didn't know it had to do anything with sexuality, and I didn't even realize, yeah, I didn't realize those guys were gay or that, that, that gayness was Oh, Andrew originally wasn't. Oh, he wasn't? No, no, no. He used to, Are you kidding or not? No, he, he dated a string of models. Oh, okay, okay. Well, then, okay. Then it makes even more sense. But he's not know. gay, right? Even today? Like even today, George Michael's gay though. He George out. Michael is gay and was gay back then, but was less aw- but less obvious about it. Yeah, but, uh, I think but he wasn't. Pretty, he was pretty obvious. Pretty about obvious about it. Yeah. He was with hindsight. Yeah, yeah, but at the time I didn't realize it. Yeah. Uh, okay, we got we t- we put out a Twitter that we had uh, Brody here before, uh, and we have some questions. Uh, well, actually, just one. Uh, well, we, yeah, well, there are a few. There are a few questions that very much weren't science. Yeah, but here we go. <laughs> From evil breeds evil uh, to Brody. Magnets, how do they work? I like magnets in a sense that I've worn them around my neck, and it seems to help with my whiplash. I was in a car wreck. I got rear-ended, so I was getting acupuncture, and I had been active. So I know what my back feels like in upper back when it's good and not good, and my neck is good and like that. And it just seems to be when I'm wearing the titanium necklace, my neck feels better of just more energy flow less stiffness less kinks in there do you think it's actually doing something real or do you think it's just sort of making you feel better because you're wearing it uh there may be a little bit of that but there's titanium in that in this thing it's not just like a charm so there is titanium and titanium's metal and your blood has iron so i feel like there's something to that somehow polarizes the iron in your blood maybe yeah i mean I do what a lot of the baseball players do and what do the, and the golfers do. And there is evidence on, you know, a lot of these, uh, these products coming out that have titanium or metals in them, certain type of tapes 
for uh, your wrists and uh, I know I'm always kind of pretty skeptical of those ones because I'm there's that one that what the lift strong bracelet the is that the one the no no that's just the fundraiser oh, oh sorry that's the that's the uh, <laughs> yeah. that's the yellow one that isn't one it? doesn't make you yeah. a better athlete right what's the one with the little with the hologram sticker power in it? balance power balance that's it where in a lot of countries now they're no longer allowed to sell it as having any kind of health benefit right. they're just like here's a picture of an athlete wearing it. It's, Draw your own conclusions because we legally can't. Magic, yeah. magic beans, essentially. Magic beans, yeah. Well, you know, here was my thing on the hologram. They said that hologram was computerized to match up with your body's energy levels. You know, you see a hologram. I can't make a hologram. Yeah. No. You look at a CD, I look at a CD, and I go. I don't see any music on there, but there is music. Somebody's doing it. There is that kind of technology. So I'm feeling that hologram, you know what? They do it on a DVD and CD. Maybe they can do it on a hologram. But does that mean if you wear a hologram around your, like a CD around your neck on a chain? Well, they're saying this specific hologram has been computerized to somehow connect with your energy force. Again, that's something where a lot of the baseball players are wearing them. A lot of the basketball guys wear them. It's been, I guess it's been debunked. I know in Australia and I think even here in America, it's been legally like... That's right, yeah. I think it is Australia was one of the first ones to kind of go, yeah, you can, you're, you can legally sell them, but you can't make any claims about them because... Right. Yeah, and that's so that's the deal. I think they say... Um, we won't claim it, but we'll still sell them. I don't know. I had a power balance. I haven't worn it kind of since all that stuff came out. And I feel okay. I don't feel great. I don't feel terrible. But maybe if I got that power balance back on. Let's it get would, it back on. It would get me to where I need to go. Maybe we all wear power it. balance. Power balance's next podcast. Yeah, greatest podcast we've ever done. We've got a, we've got a couple of, I've got a couple of other quick questions, which um, we put out the same question about April last week. Yeah, um, and then I forgot to check my Facebook account, which also has the Twitter thing linked to it, and a couple of people asked questions, um, which we never got to ask April. So, um, well, let's Brody, let's get Brody. Um, yeah, I'm right here, Stephen. Called- Brody Stevens, <laughs> all things Brody. No, someone Brody, called Brody Luke Stevens. Sell here wants to know what is the best science. Weird science. Good uh, answer. That, Good answer. And someone called Ben wants to know is poop flammable. Is poop flammable? Let's yes. keep, and can on. it be shoved in a bottle and be this used for military warfare? Let's not answer that question, Ben. This is a, You're this a bad is a man, Ben. Respectable podcast. This is a real question that does pertain to your current situation. Uh, you, you, the, the beard is growing in nicely. It's very full. Yeah. And someone wants to know, does your beard ever get long or just thick? Are you going to have a plan for this? to get? You're going to go with the full-on comedian beard with this or just... I'll probably get rid of it in the I next mean, few days. That is a thick beard. grows in... It's... It's a nice beard. It could be on the cover of a beard magazine. Can beard, be. Beard I, well, I dye it, and I dyed this. I usually dye it once, and then it grows out, and then I shave it, and then I dye it again. This time, I grew it out, dyed it, let it grow some more, dyed it again. <laughs> Double dye. Double dye. So that's why it looks thicker and fuller. It does look real full. Um, my beard, if I continue to let it grow the way it is, will become salt and peppery, but I'll dye it. And it will also appear thicker, not necessarily long. Oh, okay. I grow like a Joe Dirt beard. Just Spotty. Real patchy. Ugh. Super gross. 
Real gross. All right. Um, let's go on to our final topic, which is historical science. And this one actually fits in today, but this will come out next Monday. So 50 years and one week ago today, February 20th, 1962, John Glenn flew around the Earth three times in five hours inside the spaceship called Friendship 7. Friendship. The seventh. seventh he friendship. flew around the Earth five times three- Three times in five hours. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they, fa- they go they go faster now. I'm pretty sure, but I mean, I don't I don't know actually. But uh, it's pretty amazing. They go yeah. so fast up there. Um, they said like recently, John Glenn was in had a meeting like for the 50th anniversary. NASA threw this big thing for him, and he was in this meeting, and he got to have a conversation with people up on the current space station. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he like his thing that he asked them. He's like, so we've been talking 15 minutes. How how far around the Earth have you gone? And they were like a third of the way around, or something like that. Jeez, in fifteen wow. minutes. They're just cruising. Wow! So, but it's not. That's just. That's is just, that the, the spa- well, the space station's just orbiting, like maybe against you know maybe the Earth's going one way and they're going the other, and that's why it goes. I don't. Th- I don't know. Is the what what kind of orbit is the space station in? I don't know. Nope. We, well, we'll just it's keep- not. It's not geostationary or anything like that, is it? I'm not sure. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Are these things, do they have engines and all that stuff? Oh, I'm sure. Um, I don't know, guys. This is about John Glenn. Let's <laughs> keep it to John Glenn. <laughs> Let's not get science on me. Um, so during, that was when, he, when it was orbiting was the time when, when Perth, the whole city of Perth, turned on all their lights right. to, to say hi to him as and he, he passed could see overhead. Perfectly, yeah. Yeah, right. and that became known as the City of Light, Perth, Perth Australia. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, and John Glenn actually came out and said uh, that he envied Neil Armstrong. He was like jealous of Neil Armstrong getting to walk on the moon, and he didn't. He's like, damn. What was the. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. But, you know, you think John Glenn, he's going to be a gracious guy, but he was like, man, fuck Neil Armstrong. Oh, uh, if I'd just been an astronaut five years later. Yep. And then he went <laughs> Could have been in the program. John Glenn went back into space. He did, in didn't he recently? 1998, 77 years old, so the oldest person to ever be in space. And when he was recruited to be a NASA, it was 1959, and he was a top military test pilot for the United States. A lot of them were, right? A lot of them started off as like... I think they all were, yeah. He was a senator from Ohio. Yep, yep, yep. Birthplace Uh, of aviation. Yeah, and the the team that he was recruited on was called the Mercury 7. But then this made me think of uh, Buzz Aldrin... Who hasn't had? I mean, like that guy's just Buzz Aldrin. Just seems like a cool old man. He just doesn't put up with shit. Like, did uh, he punch somebody out? Yeah, recently? that's what I was going to talk about. And it was in 2002. This filmmaker named Bart Sebrell or Cybrell, who uh, like is the main proponent of we didn't walk on the moon, confronted 72 year old Buzz Aldrin with his stepdaughter. Like Buzz had a stepdaughter outside a hotel, and this guy calls him a coward and a liar and a thief. So then Buzz Aldrin just punched him. him in the face. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Which, again, is perfect because no court in the land is going to prosecute Buzz no, Aldrin. No, they no, did. no. Oh, they did course. not like, either. It, yeah. it, like, not, the police didn't even bother with I don't think. But like, even if it had gone to court, what's like a jury of 12 guys? Here's the hero who landed on the moon. Here's the guy who said he didn't and he was being a dick. Yeah. yeah. And there's a 40-year age gap between the two the of them as well. Seven, the 72-year-old man walked on the moon and then this guy called him a thief in front of his stepdaughter. <laughs> so he punched him in the face. They made like, oh man. Also, Buzz Aldrin, as far as I'm aware, is the only man who's walked on the moon uh, to have recorded a single with Snoop Dogg. That's true. Did That's he really? True. 
Yeah, it's called Rocket Experience. Wow. <laughs> he did a he did a he did a song with Snoop Dogg. Yeah, it's great. It's called Rocket Experience. It was him, Snoop Dogg, and Talib Kweli. I think I saw the video on Funnier Die. Were they smoking yeah, pot? Um, I believe Snoop probably was just on the just just the odds on. Uh, J- what, I, I Buzz think- Aldrin was in an episode of Thirty Rock that he was super funny in that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he like shouted at the moon, like you you belong in the night or something like that. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, and he did Dancing with the Stars. Oh, he did do this that. He's done everything. Yeah, this. You, you know, know, he's a, you know he's a pod is well known. <clears throat> Neil Armstrong, Gene Cernan. No, Gene Cernan, who was the last man on the moon oh, in 1972. Yeah. I always thought that was funny because there must have been there was more than one person on the vehicle that landed on the moon. And there must have been, you know, a little bit of a petty squabble inside there to decide who. Well, I like think he was, he was like coming in the door. He's like, well, I was the last man to walk on the moon. Well, I think and then someone st- else was like, oh, I forgot something. I got to go yeah, out I- and grab. <laughs> I just got a ghost. Uh, they had more missions planned. Don't worry about it. Like they were no, going know, to go I back. Know. Yeah. And then just get it right. Andy, just finding about one guy just has to go out and, and touch like, his I'm, foot I'm OCD. I'm just going to touch an even number. I have to touch an even number on the moon. I used to, I used to do that when we drive back from my grandparents in Missouri, I would, uh, reach my hand to the back of the car and be the last person out of Missouri. Back to Iowa. <laughs> Real embarrassing. Uh, and on that note, we're going to wrap things up and let's thank, let's thank Brody Stevens once again for joining yes, us. Yes, positive energy. Brody, have you got any shows coming up on the road? Any, anything we should be aware of? Any? I've got, um, what do I got? I've got La Jolla this weekend. I will be there with... Wait, is it this weekend, like, coming up? Yes. Because this will, this will air a this week This is going to air on Monday the 27th. Okay, I will have done La Jolla <laughs> Comedy Club. And then I have the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. I believe I'm doing in Austin, Texas. Ooh. That's in April. I do shows around L.A. I have my own podcast. You can find that. Broden Esther, Ice House Chronicles. I pop, pop in on those things. All things Brody on Twitter. Actually, Brody is me friend Brody on Twitter. Brody is me friend. Brody is me friend. And that's an homage to my Albanian Chinese bus boy <laughs> back in New York. And uh, other shows popping up. I try to announce them on Twitter. All right. Well, thanks. So follow Brody. Thank you very much. And, uh, and as yes. always, um, any corrections, any uh any wailing uh, errors that we've made? Any 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 comments? Uh, Send your either, email. Yeah, email probably science at gmail dot com. Tweet us at probably science. Uh, probably science on Tumblr, and tell your friends. Give us nice ratings on iTunes. All of that kind of stuff. And thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you.